Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. It can be found on page 831 of the Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And why has this come to happen to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb left for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My name is Mark Montgomery. I want to invite Alan to come back up. Could you play that last song? I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Because I can't do what you did. That was beautiful. And uh, for those of you online who are just now joining us, go back and watch the archive. Right after the second song is the most glorious thing you ever see. Well, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Ebenezer. I want to welcome you. Uh, and it's hard to recover from that amazing thing. But I want to welcome you back in our series, The Journey. Uh, you know, I've loved this series for a number of reasons, but can I just be honest with you all for a minute? I feel like we're friends. I can be honest with you. I mean, we're really friends now. The season of Advent... The four weeks we spend leading up to Christmas, we have been uh, telling the same story about Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth, right? The same story forever, right? The last 2,000 years. And if I'm being honest, it can get a little, a little old. Do you agree? I mean, just a little bit. So what I've loved about this series is we've been taking this really old story, the story of Advent, I mean, the story of Christmas, rather, the, the, the events leading up to Christmas, and we've been introducing a new, well, we've been focusing on the locations in addition to the people. And I don't know about you, but it has kind of invigorated the story a little bit for me. Which, I mean, to, to look at places like Nazareth, right? This little weed of a town, uh, at the place where Mary, Jesus' mother, is from, right? And to look at where it was located. It was about an, an hour away from a really big city, 10 miles from a military installation. Sound familiar? Kind of like Stafford, right? And Nazareth doesn't have much history or notoriety. There's not really much special about it. And what we know about Nazareth is, is that it was a place of the under, overshadowed and underwhelming, right? I mean, there's not much about Nazareth, but that's a really helpful thing along the way. And then last week we looked at Bethlehem, right? Bethlehem, Bethlehem is like the exact opposite of Nazareth. It's got this really rich history. There are a lot of famous religious sites there, especially for the Jewish people, also for Christians. Bethlehem is just outside of Jerusalem. It's about six miles south of Jerusalem. It's where uh, Joseph, uh, the father, the earthly father of Jesus is from. And today, Bethlehem and Jerusalem have actually grown to be such big cities that they're almost just one big city now. And Bethlehem is known as the city of, of King David, the city of David. It's a pretty cool place. As we continue our series this morning on the story of the journey, in Luke chapter 1, Mary has just encountered an angel. And the angel says, hey, listen, you are going to bear God's son. You're going to be 
the mother of, of the Messiah, of God's only son. And then it says, after the angel departed in verse 39, that in those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. In fact, more specifically, we know that she was headed to this town of Ein Karim, which you guys know, you've heard of Ein Karim before, right? Yeah, who's heard of Ein Karim, right? We know that Ein Karim, like Bethlehem, you can see Bethlehem just below it, is uh, outside of Jerusalem. It's uh, kind of a suburb to Jerusalem. In fact, we know a few things about Ein Karim. Zechariah worked in the temple as a priest, so it's potentially uh, a place where other priests and temple workers lived. Uh, certainly people who wanted to be close to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they lived in Ein Karim. We also know that uh, that today there actually stand a number of religious sites in Ein Karim for Christians because Mary, that's where she went to visit Elizabeth and Zechariah. It's the place, in fact, one of the religious sites is this, the Church of the Visitation. It's located on what's believed to be Elizabeth and Zechariah's summer home. So if you can imagine how hot it might get uh, near Jerusalem and in that area, and the uh, Ein Karim is what's is located in what's called the Judean Hill Country, as we heard about in Scripture. And so this church is actually on the side of a hill, which means that their summer home uh, was located in such a place where they could get away from the heat in the valley in the city. So they were they would go to this house in the summer times, most likely. And it's called the Church of the Visitation because it's where Elizabeth went uh, to visit. Uh, I mean, sorry, where Mary went to visit uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. It's a really creative name, the Church of the Visitation, where Mary visited Elizabeth, right? Okay, second site. So if you go to the back of the house, you'll find this spring. Now, there are a couple things that are important about what makes this spring so special. So we know that Elizabeth greeted Mary as soon as she heard Mary's greeting, right? She went out to, to welcome her. And as you walk around in the back of the house, you might think that Elizabeth might have gone out to meet Mary there, right? She just couldn't wait to see her relative, and so she went out to greet her there. And so if you think about the event of our scripture today, the passage, and you think about where that took place, well, can you imagine Mary and Elizabeth greeting each other in front of that spring? At the very least, we know that this is the spring that Mary and Elizabeth drank from while they were both miraculously pregnant, which is also very cool. And then uh, another site, finally, here is the church of St. John the Baptist, if we can get that. Isn't that beautiful on the inside? So it's a Catholic church, and it's considered a sacred and holy site because this is where it's believed that St. John the Baptist was born, right? And it's sacred and holy for a number of reasons. First, because of who John the Baptist is, his sole job was to prepare the way for the Messiah, right? He went out into the desert. And uh, he preached repentance. He was a prophet. And he would baptize people. And so that's one of the reasons it's a sacred and holy site, but also because of who Zechariah and Elizabeth were. So it's believed that Elizabeth was barren. I mean, it's stated in Scripture that Elizabeth was barren, hadn't had any children. She was pretty old at the time when she finally became pregnant with John. And so because of who it happened to and how it happened, her pregnancy is also considered a miracle which is one of the other reasons this is considered a holy place. Do you know, something that amazes me about Ein Karim in the context of this story isn't necessarily the sites, just the sites, rather, that are in Ein Karim. If you take a look at the map, it's where Ein Karim is located in comparison to Nazareth. 
So you can see Nazareth way up there. And then down below, you'll see Jerusalem. And then below that is Bethlehem. And we know that Ein Karim is just outside of Jerusalem. So that means that Mary traveled. Now, it's kind of hard to tell with the map, but Mary traveled nine days over three mountain ranges to get all the way to Ein Karim. And actually, Mary made that journey three times while she was pregnant, right? So she finds out she's pregnant. She travels from Nazareth to Ein Karim, nine days over three mountain sites, uh, mountain ranges. And then you see Bethlehem. Well, Joseph, that's where he's from, comes up from Bethlehem, takes Mary out of Ein Karim and takes her home to Nazareth. Nine days over three mountain ranges while she's pregnant. And then turns right around and takes her down to Bethlehem where Jesus is eventually born, and it takes them nine days over three mountain ranges. So it begs the question, why would Mary, who just found out she's pregnant, take a nine-day trip across three mountain ranges just to reach a town of Ein Karim? Well, it's possible that she wanted to get away from Nazareth, right? I mean, Ein Karim is, what, nine days over three mountain ranges? Just guessing. Uh, to get away from the people in Nazareth, right? She's pregnant. She's not married yet. Maybe she wants to avoid the social pain that comes with that. That could be a possibility. But if you remember back in our first uh, week when we were talking about Nazareth and the story of Mary and when Gabriel came in Luke chapter 1, specifically in verse 36, what does Gabriel say? He says, And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. You see, we know that Mary is traveling nine days over three mountain ranges to the the town of Ein Karim to see Elizabeth. That's why she went. Let me illustrate this point with the story. So have I ever told you I'm from Texas? Okay, yeah, I have told you. All right. I'm getting some grumbling. That's not what I expected, but... So I grew up in the town of San Antonio, which is in the heart of the southwest Texas, which means that it is quicker for me to get living in San Antonio. It's quicker actually to leave the country than it is to go to another state. I just want to state that things are far away in Texas. I just want to say that. In fact, I grew up in my uh, my youth group at my United Methodist Church going on this uh, spring break ski trip every year for, for seven years from sixth grade all the way up until uh, my junior year of high school. And so anyway, I would go every year, and it would take me, um, I think I miscalculated the numbers there, but that's okay, it felt like a lot. It, it would take us 14 day, uh, hours, felt like 14 days, uh, just, just to go from um, San Antonio, Texas, all the way to Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Over, If you're from New Mexico, God bless you, I don't like that area very much. Because it is, it is like the most grueling drive through the New Mexican desert. It was just terrible. It was 14 hours. We'd stay uh, in some church, on some church floor. That's where we'd sleep. We were in these 15 passenger vans. There were three of them. And it was just the longest 14 hours of my life. We would ski for three days and then jump back and do it all over again, right? But I love these trips so much that my eighth grade year was actually skiing uh, down the mountain. Just so you know, this is what it looks like to ski down the mountain. Right. I was skiing down the mountain and I saw this mogul that was kind of it would allow me to do this awesome jump. And so I, I turned to my buddy. and I was like, I got this. Watch this. Then I do this jump and I get about halfway up. And then all of a sudden it's not going the way I thought. And I landed on my left shoulder and I hear this crack. 
And all of a sudden, I, I can't move my left arm. I thought, well, that's weird. <laughs> Turns out I broke my collarbone. And they wanted to fly me home. And I said, no, I'm going back in the van. Because I was in eighth grade and I had no sense. Some eighth graders do. I just didn't happen to have any at the time. And so I I made the trip back. And then, and then, I came back the next year, but I wasn't going to ski anymore. I started snowboarding. Now, before you judge, I have broken more bones skiing than I have snowboarding. So it was a good decision. All right. But if I'm being honest about those ski trips... I didn't go because I like skiing that much or snowboarding or because I wanted to see snow. I went because of the people. In fact, there was one person in particular. uh, His name is Mike Turner. He was my youth pastor. Man, I love that guy. You know, I remember I was in Abilene, Texas, and it took me four hours to drive home. And I did it during finals week one time to San Antonio just to have lunch with Mike because I needed his advice. And wanted him, his thoughts on whether or not I should be a pastor. You know, Mike's family actually showed up to my very first sermon that I ever preached at a church. He was a major influence in my life. You know, we know that Zechariah worked in the temple. We know that Zechariah and Elizabeth tried and tried and they just could never have children. And we know that she was considered barren. We know all those things. But here's what's implied about the story. What's implied is that because Elizabeth never had any children, it is likely that Mary was like a daughter to her. It's likely that because Elizabeth never had children, that Elizabeth was like a second mom to Mary, and she didn't walk, but she ran over those three mountain ranges because she wanted to get to Elizabeth, and she wanted to walk with her during that difficult time in her life because Elizabeth was most likely a mentor to her. In fact, as we continue in our scripture in Luke chapter 1, verse 41 through 43, it's on the screen. This is what happened when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, right? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. This is Elizabeth's child, John, who she's still pregnant. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord, comes to me. Elizabeth's unborn child, John, leaps in her womb when Mary arrives. And then it says, Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she calls Mary blessed three times. Right? So there are two things I really want to point out. One is that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Second is that she calls Mary blessed three times, twice in verse 42 and once in verse 45, and helps Mary find the joy out of a potentially difficult situation. So think about it this way. Back in the day, if you were filled with the Holy Spirit, back before Jesus came, if you were filled with the Holy Spirit, God only filled really certain people with the Holy Spirit, uh, like prophets, special people along the way, and they were always, it was really rare to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you were, you were given a special kind of laser-focused purpose. Take the prophet Jeremiah. You read the book of Jeremiah, you find out about the prophet Jeremiah. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, he was called at a very young age. And God called him to this really awesome task of telling everybody around him that they were headed for doom and destruction if they don't repent of their sin. And do you know what everybody thought about that? They beat Jeremiah up. They threw him in prison. And they say, 
He said, Jeremiah, stop saying all this stuff. And Jeremiah said, I'm trying. I don't want to say this stuff anymore. But then in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, he says this. But if I will say, I will not mention his name or his word or speak anymore his name. His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth can't help but acknowledge God working in Mary's life. Jesus isn't even born yet, and Elizabeth is already calling Jesus Lord. As an aside, you know, I know I've already said this, but when Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was rare, and it was for a purpose. Here's what's true for us as Christians. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not really that rare. It's not uncommon. In fact, Scripture tells us that when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive this deposit as a, as in our faith, and it's the gift of the Holy Spirit, God with us, God living in us. It's no longer a rare thing, and I think we take that for granted at times. But here's what's never changed about that. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're given a purpose. We're given a unique and special purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? Our purpose is to acknowledge God working into our lives and to tell the people around us that God is working in their lives too. And the reason it's a special purpose is because we can only influence the people around us in the way that we can do that. And God has, God has given us that purpose in advance for us to do. But here's the other thing I know about that. When we go against our purpose... When we stop acknowledging God working in our lives, when we refuse to acknowledge God working in the lives of the people around us, do you know what happens? It wears us out. It wears us out because it's like this, his word is like a fire in our heart and it, it's, it's in our bones and we get weary of holding it in. You see, Mary needed Elizabeth to confirm what the angel had told her, not because Mary lacked faith but because she needed to hear this truth from somebody she trusted. Somebody that she trusted to speak God, the truth of God, and the love of God into her life. If you think about it, what 13-year-old doesn't need that, right? In fact, what 20-year-old doesn't need somebody to speak the truth and love of God in their life? What 25-year-old doesn't need that? What 30-year-old doesn't need that? What 50-year-old doesn't need that? What 80-year-old doesn't need somebody in their life to speak the truth and love of God in their life. We all need an Elizabeth in our lives. We need somebody like that. And you know what I love about Elizabeth? She doesn't just talk about God being with Mary and living inside of her. You know what she does? She helps Mary see the joy of her blessing. So think about it this way, right? The angel comes to Mary... First thing he says is, don't be afraid, which means he was super scary. And he says, Mary, you're going you're gonna, to uh, be the Theotokos. You're going to be the God-bearer. You're going to uh, bear the Son of God. And Mary says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. She sounds super pumped, right? I mean, she is just not excited. You know why? Because she knows the heavy burden of this blessing, right? It's a heavy responsibility. She's like, 
Okay, angel, whatever you say, right? I will follow what you say. But then Elizabeth gets a hold of her, and what happens? Elizabeth confirms what Mary already knows, but she does it with such excitement that she says, Mary, you are blessed. You are blessed among women. And she calls her blessed three times, and she helps Mary see the joy out of this blessing, which, can I be clear? Just because we're called blessed doesn't mean that life is any easier. Would you agree with that? But it doesn't mean that we can't find joy out of our blessing. And that's exactly what Elizabeth helps Mary to find. In fact, if you think about it, when the angel said what he said to Mary, she said, here I am, Lord. But when Elizabeth got a hold of her, she starts singing. The next passage is actually titled the song, uh, Mary's song of praise and thanksgiving to God. I'm just saying this thing was a drama. Elizabeth got a hold of Mary. It turns into a musical, right? It went from Hamlet to Hamilton. I'm just saying, I'm just, you guys didn't laugh as much as everybody else did. You want me to bring Rob back on stage to sing for us? Be good. You know, we have those people in our lives, don't we? You know those people who can help you find joy in in the midst of whatever situation you're going through. So I still keep in pretty good touch with my roommates from seminary. Whenever I have really big news to share, whether it's good or bad, after I talk to my wife about it, I will call one of these two. You know why? Because I know that the big news, whether good or bad, if it's good news, they'll tell me it's great news. And they'll remind me how good God is. And if it's bad news, they'll say, man, this is really bad news. But eventually they'll remind me of how good God is. They're my Elizabeths. And I will forever call them that from now on. (laughs) They were married before I was. They had children before I did. In fact, they've both gone through the agony of losing a parent to cancer. And yet, and yet, they praise God through it all no matter what happens. And I know That when I call them, no matter what I'm going through, they're going to point to the joy of the Lord at work in my life and remind me that not only is God with me, but God is living inside of me. Who is your Elizabeth? Who's that person in your life who is investing everything that they have into you? Who's that person in your life who is pointing to the joy of the Lord at work in your life? Who's that person in your life who is reminding you of how good God is no matter what? Who's that person who is a refuge to you? Who's your Elizabeth? Because I'll tell you, we need people filled with the Holy Spirit who will speak blessing into our lives, who will help us find joy no matter what we're going through, so that we would do more than just remember that God exists, but we would remember that God is working and living inside of each and every one of us. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, find somebody who who will spend time investing and speaking blessing into your life. Find a mentor and be relentless about it. Join a small group. Surround yourself with faithful people who believe in God and can help to point to the joy of the Lord at work in your life. Whatever it looks like for you, find an Elizabeth. But I also wonder, who's your Mary? Who are you investing in? Because here's a truth that I know. It's not enough to surround myself with somebody who will say nice things to me and about me and about God working in my life.
I'm going to live out my purpose, I need to go and find somebody that I can invest in. I need to find a Mary that I can speak joy into their life. So when my wife Melissa was 18 years old, she took on the responsibility of becoming a small group leader for a group of middle schoolers in her church. And actually, uh, they were about, when Melissa was 18, she took on this small group. This group of women were about the age that Mary was when she became uh, pregnant with Jesus. And Melissa stayed with this group until they graduated high school. She remained as their mentor, their small group leader, and she invested relentlessly into each and every one of them. And, and they were her people. And she was there, Elizabeth, no matter what. So a couple years ago, uh, for Melissa's birthday, my wife, I, I put together this little book and I reached out to all of her friends and I had them share nice things and memories uh, about Melissa. And I reached out to this group of women and I said, hey, I'd really love it if you could share a few things about about your former small group leader, you know, if, if you could just write those. And, and they did and I put them in the book. But I want to share with you uh, what one of them wrote about Melissa. She writes, I have a myriad of memories from my time with Melissa, but what they all have in common is her genuine care of me and her willingness to be with me, whatever the circumstance. Now, I want to spell it out for you. She didn't say, I loved how smart Melissa was. She said, I just loved that she wanted to be with me. Even from the beginning of my middle school Bible study days, she always treated me like an equal And that was something that meant volumes to me. Now that being said, I always looked up to her as someone who was living life a stage ahead of me and living it well. I so respect her and how fully she has always surrendered her life to the Lord. Melissa was there, Elizabeth, and they were her Mary. You know, today we've already baptized a 16-year-old and this this evening at the 6 o'clock we're going to baptize a a darling infant girl. And in baptism, every person in this room, every person in this church becomes an Elizabeth to those individuals. In fact, it's our responsibility to to invest in them and to work in their lives so that one day they might go out and find their Mary to invest in and we become their Elizabeth. And now some of you are fulfilling this, this covenant, this purpose in, in a couple of different ways. Some of you volunteer as kids care volunteers in our nursery. Some of you are in our kids rock ministry with our children. Some of you volunteer as small group leaders in our TNT middle school ministry. Others in our high school access ministry going on mission trips and doing great work with all that. Some of you are small group leaders. Some of you are individual mentors to people in this church and in our community who are doing the difficult work of investing in and speaking blessing to individuals who, like Mary, are just hungry for someone to walk alongside of them, to speak the joy of God into their life. And can I just take a minute and thank you. Thank you for those of you serving in those ways. Thank you for what you do. It means more than you will ever know. Thank you. But I also want to say, if you haven't yet found your Mary, They could be at this church. So maybe you want to volunteer in one of those ways I just talked about. Or maybe they're in your school. Or maybe they're at your work. Or maybe they're in your neighborhood. Or maybe your Mary is in your family. Somebody you need to take under your wing. 
Find your Mary. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be called. And here's the thing, we're all called. But I want to make this clear for just a minute. You see, this is a story about two women, Elizabeth and Mary. But if I'm being honest, we also need men to be spiritual mentors too. And we need to have men as spiritual mentors too. My point in saying this is, this is a story that applies to every single one of us. And so I just want to invite you to remember that each and every one of us, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, are given a purpose and we are called to be Elizabeth no matter what. And it makes me wonder how easy it would have been for Mary to say, man, I'm too young, I am not good enough for Elizabeth to be my mentor. So I'm not even going to bother going down to Ankerine. Or I wonder what it would have, how easy it would have been for Elizabeth to say, you know what, I am way too old to be of any good to somebody like Mary. But here's my prayer for all of us, that as we continue this series and the journey, that as we continue our life's journey, that we would remember this. We never journey alone. God is with us. God is living inside of us. Yes, yes. But we need to find our Elizabeth. We need to find somebody who will invest in our lives, who will help us to see the joy and the blessing of God living within us, of God with us. And we also need to find our Mary. We need to find somebody that we can invest in. Somebody that we can walk with for a season. And we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to love them. And here's the good news about this story with Mary and Elizabeth. You know, Mary was willing to travel nine days over three mountain ranges to reach her mentor. With modern technology, we can do that instantly. My prayer is that we would find our Elizabeth and invest in our Mary. And that no matter what, we would remember that we never journey alone, that God is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending us your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior, for the gift of your Holy Spirit at work in our lives, for the love you've shown us, for the purpose you've given us, and for the people that surround us, we thank you. God, I pray that you would help us on our journey. Help us all to find our Elizabeth, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are. Help us to find our Elizabeth, someone who invests in us, who will point to the joy of the blessing of God with us. And help us, Lord, help us that we might invest in our Mary. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just need to be there. Help us in this great work so that we would remember that we never journey alone, that you are with us, that you call us to journey together. Help us in all that we do, in the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to invite you to stand as you're able.